0: Testing, one, two, three, four. All right. All right, all right, all right. Well, guess what is going to happen right now? The Truth News Network. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Well, you can. But why would you want to?
1: Dan Newman.
0: That's a great compliment. I'm not sure I deserve it. But let me say this. I never take you for granted, especially on days like today when we are actually 35 minutes late for the show. For you regulars, you know that does not happen. We're always Johnny on the spot. Every once in a while, we may be a minute or two late, but nothing like this. And there's a reason for it. We're broadcasting live from Jerusalem in Israel. Now, I'm not Jewish. I'm a Christian. But this is the headquarters for Christianity. That's right. And so let me make a suggestion for all of you that are Christians. I'm 69 years old. I've been in the Christian faith since I was born. Just weeks after I was born, I was on the front pew of the church my parents went to. And I love living for God, I really do. I made that choice at a very young age and it's changed my life numerous times, kept me out of a lot of trouble. And so we're here just to do the historical tour of, I couldn't believe how many places there are in Jerusalem. But Christ's life, in large part, happened around Jerusalem and, of course, ended here in Jerusalem. So all that being said, I'm not going to get into it anymore. I will just tell you this. I urge you Christians to make your plans to come to Jerusalem. And if you want to do it, I really urge you to do it with a tour guide that is really, really good. And if you want to do it and schedule it, just give me a jingle. If you've got my phone number. If not, drop me an email, dan at truthnewsnet.org, dan at truthnewsnet.org, and I'll send you the information. You'll miss so much. Our guide is a phenomenal guy, born and raised here, educated partially in the United States, very fluent in language, and has, listen to this, he has photographic memory, and he gives so much information. Like I said, I've been in Christianity my entire life. I can't tell you how much I have learned that I never knew before. So what are we going to do today? We're going to launch into it. We have many things to get into While you were sleeping, honestly, we were hard at work putting this show together with a lot of new information, found some things that I'm pretty sure you haven't heard about because your federal government didn't want you to hear about them, but we got them for you. As always, though, we need to kind of calm down with the song. And I did this one because it it deals with here, Olive
2: Street.
0: and the reason I played it was I was at the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, Israel today. And by the way, the olives here are amazing. I'm one of those guys, I know it's not usual for a guy to like olives, but I like them for snacks. I mean, put them in a bowl and let me have some crackers and I'll eat some olives. Oh, well, in case you were interested, that's the artist name, Basha. So if you missed the beginning of the show, Let me apologize for being late. There's only one reason. It's because of the unbelievable traffic in the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. And it took probably 45 minutes longer than was expected and planned to get back here to start the show at the usual 9 o'clock Central Time. Anyway, we are here. Where do we get started? You probably have already heard about this, but if you have not you need to hear about it. And even if you have heard about it, you need some splaining. There's some splaining to do. Wall Street Journal yesterday reported that the energy department, Joe Biden's energy department, revised their assessment of how the pandemic got started. And it's based on fresh intelligence that came in an update to a 2021 document by Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines' office. The journal states while the investigation is ongoing, more authorities are coming to the lab leak hypothesis. However, there is yet no unanimous decision. Here's what the journal reported. Quote, the new report highlights how different parts of the intelligence community have arrived at disparate judgments about the pandemic's origin. The Energy Department now joins the FBI in saying the virus likely spread via a mishap at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Four other agencies, along with the National Intelligence Panel, still judge that it was likely the result of a You know, a natural transmission. Two of those experts are undecided. Now, that report, you can get it online very easily. It goes on to say the Energy Department made its judgment with low confidence, according to people who have read the classified report, but it does align with previous speculation about the exact origin of the virus. Isn't it strange that this once-in-a-century bat coronavirus pandemic, it just happened to emerge within a few miles of China's biggest laboratory researching bat coronavirus? Shouldn't we at least look at that laboratory? That was a tweet from Breitbart News, May 26th of 2021. Senator Tom Cockney, of Arkansas doubled down on questions addressing the origins of the coronavirus as far back as 2021 stating the lab leak hypothesis was always reasonable, but he quickly denounced as a conspiracy theory by reporters and activists that wear those evil looking professional lab looking white coats, common sense case for a lab leak is the same as it was in January of 2020 when I first mentioned the possibility. Cotton said then, here at TNN Live, we told you from the very beginning of it. When it began back in 2020, late in the spring, early in the summer, we talked with experts. And if you want to hear the world's foremost expert on this, go look at last Thursday's TNN Live show. It's a conversation almost two hours long between me and Dr. Judy Mikovits, who back in the 90s was a lab partner, a research partner with Anthony Fauci. I won't go into all of the details, but let me tell you what she says about what we're talking about right now. On June the 20th of 2020, Dr. Mikovits predicted that we would have a pandemic and that it would be coming to here from a lab leak from China. She also told us everything that Dr. Fauci was going to do. Declare the pandemic, do a major lockdown, mask on everybody, virus, uh, drugs, drugs, she didn't know exactly what they would come up with, but she said it's going to require vaccinations, all of those things. She foretold May the uh, June the twentieth of twenty twenty. And what did Fauci say back then? Do you remember? Listen to this. This comes from a story that was published first on. Let me see. Da 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 da. da I found it. November 23rd, 2021. Anthony Fauci said on MSNBC's The Beat that the theory COVID-19 pandemic started from a leak in a Chinese laboratory is not likely. Anchor Ari Melber said, people do want to know where this thing came from. President Biden also talked about an intelligence process for that. There's been some information. Intelligence agencies disagree which sometimes happens. The FBI believes in the theory this came from a lab in China. Now, that's kind of curious to me. Way back in 2021, what was going on in 2021? We weren't doing anything in November of 2021. We were locked down. Fauci said, quote, Ari, if you look at the virologists, not the people who want to politicize this, Look at the virologists who actually know about evolutionary virology and biology. They tell you it's much, much more likely this was a natural evolution from an animal, likely a bat, to another intermediate host, like, you know, a human. Until you know for sure you have to leave open all possibilities, that's where something like the lab leap type of a hypothesis comes from. You can't rule it out right now, but if you look at the evidence, namely the historical and other evidence, it's more likely than the other. It's more likely it's a natural outbreak from an animal, although we must keep all of our possibilities open. Fauci totally missed it. Can you think of another two or three or 20 or 30 different things that were factual? you got to follow the news. Follow the science. You've got to listen to what the science says. And oh, by the way, listen closely. Fauci said, I am the science. He said he was the science. Forget about that other stuff. Forget about what you're actually seeing play out at your house, in your city, in your schools, in your state, across the nation. Forget about all of the stuff that can't, operate any longer because of what I told everybody they had to do. You know, I don't know what can be done to hold Dr. Fauci accountable for all of that misinformation. Do you realize we're not talking about people that lost some money, corporations that lost money. We're talking about people that got a manipulated virus that was manipulated with money that he gave to these researchers in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And thousands of Americans died needlessly because of what Dr. Fauci sold to us as facts. And he even said, if you don't listen to me, People are going to die just because you don't listen to me. It's a tough world, is politics. But seldom does anybody get held accountable for wrongdoing, for bad leadership, for lying to us, for making bad decisions that cost us. We could go on and on and on for days and weeks talking about specifics that we find them in. Look at what Hillary Clinton did. You can say, oh, she just made an honest mistake. Listen, folks. She put a server, a computer server, in her private residence in New York as Secretary of State. She didn't get the State Department. She didn't get the techies in the Obama administration to come out there and set it up and make sure all of the right software was put on it so that it was available to be classified and adjudicated that anything and everything that came to it or was sent from it was classified. She didn't do one of those things. She didn't tell the State Department techies or anybody else in the government that she had that private server at her house. Well, she told one other person, President Barack Obama. You know how we know that? We found out later by FBI investigation in the matter that he had a private Gmail account that nobody knew about. He was sending his little sinister texts to people and emails to people that he didn't want anybody else to know that he was sending These things too. And he happened to communicate with then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton through that Gmail account to Hillary on this email server in her house. Now, what does that mean? Well, the FBI told us at the very beginning of the Russia collusion story, actually, right before the election, the former FBI director told the nation that they factually knew, the FBI knew that stuff that came off of that computer whatever it was it was all being transmitted to a computer somewhere else on the earth he didn't tell us Comey didn't tell us where it was going, he knew where it was going and it was likely going to who do you think maybe Russia? China? North Korea? We'll probably never know, but it was a illegal act that was adjudicated by the former president of the United States with his Secretary of State. No accountability. None whatsoever. For Hillary? Or for Barack? I mean, hey, so what? The president used a Gmail account sometime. Well, what do you think they were talking about? They weren't talking about setting up dinner next week. They were talking about American business, U.S. operations. Think about the things that the U.S. State Department does, what their responsibilities are, and how critical it is for the State Department to not be sending things that are important on an Unsecured server that is not classified and by all counts was illegal, you can't transmit classified information on any unclassified instrument, a telephone, a computer, any of that. It's against the law, federal law. No prosecution, no accountability. For Hillary Clinton, it was just like what happened with Benghazi. Somebody in that debacle should have been held liable and been charged with, I don't know, any one of a number of charges. No accountability. But those four people died that night. Their body, bodies drug through the streets of Benghazi. What is this nation coming to? And our leadership is feckless right now. Did you hear this? Biden's chief medical advisor. What's his name? What's his name? It was Obama's chief physician, the White House physician. I'm sorry. Biden's came later. But Obama's former White House physician made this statement. Biden's cognitive decline brings us closer to an all out war with Russia and with China. This doctor's representative, Ronnie Jackson of Texas, a Republican. He was a former White House physician during the Obama and Trump administrations. So he warned on Saturday that Joe Biden's cognitive decline is bringing the U.S. closer to an all out war with Russia and China. The statement by Jackson comes after the president continually has grappled with memory failure. And we've all seen it. We watch it happen every day. Anytime he gets on a camera. Do you realize most people in the nation and some around the world, when they look in on anything to do with the president over here, when it's on television or audio, whatever it is, they're looking and listening and Most of the times don't hear the substance of what he's saying. You know why? Because they're waiting for him to mess up. It's terrifying for our country that Biden is our commander-in-chief. He doesn't know when and where he's at half the time. Every day brings us closer to an all-out war with Russia and China. That's Ronnie Jackson. His cognitive decline is going to get people killed. So notably, Biden has failed to disclose any cognitive test after his yearly physical exam last week. Now, every other president, they released that information immediately. I I wonder why Joe didn't do it. And they told everybody, they did tell us this, that the president suffers from a stiff gait. You notice that when he walked? and neuropathy in the feet. According to the Cleveland Clinic, neuropathy refers to any condition that affects the nerves outside your brain or spinal cord. So this president's failure to disclose his mental acuity has worried lawmakers for some time. But since his previous physical back in 2022, the U.S. appears to be closer to a kinetic war with China and Russia, Think through the past year. The Biden administration has ratcheted up their rhetoric, sanctions, and the transfer of U.S. military equipment to Ukraine for its border defense. The administration has imposed approximately 1,500 new and 750 amended sanctions and also export controls against Russia. Lawmakers have earmarked more than $110 billion $110 110 billion with a B in taxpayer dollars to defend the Ukraine's border. Well, they'll spend 110 billion on Ukraine's border. How much is Joe Biden spent on protecting the southern border of the United States? Think that through. So critics are saying. These Ukrainian measures, along with our inflaming rhetoric, that's all caused the Russian conflict to escalate, prevent Russian President Vladimir Putin from an off-ramp to end the struggle without impacting his domestic political standing. So Joe Biden, almost single-handedly, he decided to underwrite the defense of Ukraine's border. It contrasts with his decision not to send U.S. Border Patrol similar defensive measures to prevent the invasion of the southern border. About 300,000 illegal immigrants have slipped past Border Patrol and into our interior since the beginning of fiscal year 2023. That was October 1st. In fiscal year 2022, a paltry number of illegal migrants. 2 million were encountered by the Border Patrol. 2 million people. And a bunch of them got here, and think about the ones that didn't come in, that we didn't catch, the ones that came in but we didn't catch. It's unclear why this president has given more attention to Ukraine and the U.S. southern border. But recently, Biden suggested during some remarks in Poland about the invasion of Ukraine, that its border defense is critical to the safety of America? What the heck does that mean? In Poland, Biden said, as we gather tonight, the world, in my view, is at an inflection point. The decisions we make over the next five years are going to determine and shape our lives for decades to come. That's true, Americans, he said. It's true for the people of the world. Oh, my gosh. That's so presidential and grandiose. No matter how you couch it, we've got a president that is in rapidly declining cognitive ability. He's the president of the United States, and he has... The nuclear codes with him all the time. (laughs) That should be, especially right now with what's going on around the world, that ought to scare you to death. We're just getting started, folks. we got a lot to talk to you about. Again, I'm sorry for the delay in getting going. It was a traffic thing in Jerusalem, Israel, where we are broadcasting live. Hopefully it won't happen anymore this week, but it might. It might, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about much more right after this. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name.
3: I'm afraid to ask.
0: Snuggle Muffin.
3: No, it isn't.
0: And she
4: uses it in public.
3: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
4: I couldn't do that.
3: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour
4: cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes.
5: Hey, Snuggle M
6: What are you doing, Snuggle- 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 I am so out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky.
1: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment.
6: Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a...
4: Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh.
5: Ooh, can
4: I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can I get a... Go, Bubba,
2: go!
5: Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... 10-piece uh... chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh...
2: Beat Yourself Up Hotline.
5: Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes,
2: sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it.
5: Okay, I'd like to
1: beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead
2: when you're comfortable.
1: I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn?
2: You beat yourself up
6: very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com.
1: SmartShip.com?
6: Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute.
1: Wow. SmartShip.com? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought?
5: You're really
7: good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift.
1: SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done.
0: Got a good week started here with a lot happening around the world as we grasp some little bits of truth, those that we can get our arms around. Boy, there's so much going on. Well, have you heard what's going on in the Supreme Court this week? Yep, finally. Supreme Court is going to weigh in on a case and rule if Joe Biden's plan to cancel hundreds of millions of dollars of student debt is legal or not. Now, let me let me just foretell what I think is going to happen. I've looked at the case. Now, in all clarity, I'm not an attorney. But just based on the fundamentals of common sense... And the constitutional structure that gives a government spending money, no matter what amount of money it is, gives that strictly to the legislative body of the United States, starting in the United States House of Representatives. That never went there. Joe Biden, never he never would have gotten the ability to even talk about it. As a matter of fact, people in the White House, they all knew. It was unconstitutional for a president to just go out there and spend that kind of money. Didn't have the authority. But you know what Joe said? Hey, this was right before the election. We can promise this weeks before the election to make sure those people, you know, the young adult Americans that went to college. They needed a break. And so I need their votes. So what we're going to do is just Forget a massive amount of student debts. Of course, you know, all the talk about policies coming out of any White House, they did it constantly through the Trump administration, they being the mainstream media. Everything he said he was going to do, oh, it's just a big boom dockle for the working class in America, and it's gonna benefit those evil rich people, people like Donald Trump anyway, he's rich. They said it over and over and over again. Well, now it looks like, it looks like, it may be, it may be, it just may be this, if it goes through, a big hit for the rich folks.
4: Let's welcome back to the show former Trump economic advisor Steve Moore and Mitch Rochelle of Macro Trend Advisors. Good to see you both, gentlemen. Okay, Steve, first to you. The Supreme Court next week. Two cases against Biden's $400 billion student loan bailout. The far left, the media, they try to say it's perfectly legal. Is it?
8: I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I'll say this, that as I read the Constitution, it's the Congress that has the uh, authority to appropriate money. This was never approved by Congress, Liz. So you tell me how in the world can the president assert the unilateral dictatorial power to do this? I say no. I hope the Supreme Court does as well.
4: What do you think? to what Steve just said, Mitch. What do you think? You know, Biden's bailout has already been defeated in federal court. To what Steve said as because it's basically unconstitutional, do you think the Supreme Court is really going to uphold it?
8: you know unfortunately the Supreme Court has become this political vessel as opposed to uh, interpreters of the Constitution so who knows but the thing about it is Liz the this is just more stimulus and if, if you look at today's inflation report you got to ask yourself why is this administration continuing to try to stimulate the demand side of the economy when inflation is the biggest economic challenge we have?
4: Yeah, that's a really good point, what Mitch just said, Steve. And you know what? This is why Biden is wrong. This is why it's so ludicrous what he's doing. He, Steve, he's used the HEROES Act for it. That is for Soldiers at War, the HEROES Act. Biden cites the pandemic as an emergency, If it was an emergency, why did he wait three years until the midterms to do this emergency bailout? And he's saying he's fulfilling a campaign promise. Everybody knows it was for student voter turnout in the midterms. People are really angry about what he's doing. What do you think, Steve?
8: Yeah, it's a sham that you would call this an emergency. What does this have to do with COVID, by the way? He asserted COVID emergency powers to uh, bail out student loans. Come on. By the way, I'm going to do a quick... A uh, shout-out to my friends at Job Creators Network, who, have, who are the ones who brought this case, and I think they're going to win.
4: Okay, let's watch voters. They're really angry that Biden is trying to bail them out. They're saying they're saying what Biden is doing is totally unfair. Watch this.
0: I keep on thinking about all the people who paid their loan back, and then all of a sudden there's this gift to some other people. For myself, you know, who's had student loans before,
1: then I will kind of, in, in some kind of way, I will be like, damn. I wish I would have had it at my time.
4: I'll probably have that debt until the day I die. I haven't been putting into a 401k because I've been aggressively paying off my student loans. I'll probably just be paying it my whole life.
1: (laughs) How is it going to help anybody in the future that wants to go to school? And then how do you bring the cost down? And that's really the main thing.
4: It won't bring the cost down, Mitch. It'll raise college tuition up. That's what goes on years now when the government steps in and subsidizes Colleges. And Mitch, the other thing, too, is it is really unfair to the working class. This is not middle class Joe anymore. This is not Amtrak Joe anymore. And that's such an erroneous moniker for him. This hurts the plumbers, the electricians and those who paid off their debt, Mitch.
8: Right. So right now you're supposed to buy electric vehicles. So if you decide to buy a Rivian truck, if you're a plumber or electrician, that's one hundred and thirty thousand dollar electric pickup truck. Uh, The the people who are the true backbone of this country that Joe Biden talks about all the time are not college graduates and they do buy pickup trucks and they do buy tools so that they can carry out their trade. And we're not paying off any of their car loans. So, you know what, it's the, every one of those people talked about college loans, but the fact of the matter is the backbone of this country don't have those loans, but they have other loans.
4: Got it. Steve Moore, Mitch Shell, thanks for joining us tonight, gentlemen. It's good to see you.
0: So it looks like Supreme Court may uh, rescue the people that paid back or have been paying back their student loans. It's not, it's not just good for people that owe that money, and it is a shot against people that paid their bills. But it's Joe Biden. I mean, come on. Joe Biden doesn't need anything he does to be legal. He doesn't. If he wants to do it, he's the president of the United States. He can do whatever he wants to, right? Like this. Have you heard about his hydrogen slush fund? Honestly, I didn't even know he had one. But he has one. And listen to what this slush fund is all about. Nearly 50 years ago, all the way back in 1976, Congress authorized the hydrogen program that has been managed by the National Science Foundation. Why would they do that? Hydrogen. You it, you you can't use it as fuel. I mean, you can, but... I mean, strike a match around one, and you'll not only blow up the vehicle and everybody around it, but buildings around it. Then let's move forward to 1983. Bush and Congress threw more money at hydrogen, and they called it an alternative energy source, which it would be. Last year, Congress and Biden, in their infrastructure bill, They slipped in another $9.5 billion in the hydrogen slush fund. Europeans have also authorized 5.2 billion euros for their hydro slush fund. Now, some of this seems plausible. You know, all the way back 1839, scientists have been working on hydrogen for energy and storage with little to show for it. Future green hydrogen is just plain dull. Brown and gray hydrogen, did you know they had that? Brown and gray. It's made with CO2, creates coal or natural gas. It makes reasonably priced hydrogen. Now, hydrogen, as I said, is not a fuel. It's got to be created. And it's only a way of storing and transporting energy all of which are difficult, expensive. There is no infrastructure to even support it. So this $9.5 billion slush fund, you know what it is? It's a breeding ground for multiple Solyndras. You remember Solyndra? Not long ago, I was out in the Bay Area, south of there in San Jose, and I just happened to be riding up the 101, and I glanced over to the right, and there was this big building there. I mean, massive building there right next to the interstate. And then big numbers on the side. This was in the evening. Big, bright, shining, not numbers, but letters. Cylindra. That was a boondoggle that Obama did, and he gave them. They were in the solar panel energy business five hundred million dollars so this nine and a half billion slash front it's doing the same thing now cylinder so, was a third of the one and a half billion dollar taxpayer loss on Obama's solar revolution there we go green energy solar 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 wind there's no excess wind and solar to create green hydrogen in Utah. And what's that all about? Well, guess what? The Biden administration has authorized 500 million dollars in a loan guarantee for a green hydrogen hub in Delta, Utah. Never mind the green hydrogen requires massive volumes of water and Delta's on the edge of the desert. Delta, Utah. The entire southwest is chronically short of water. Or that Utah today only gets 4% of its electricity from wind and solar. There's no excess wind and solar to create green hydrogen in Utah. Why did Biden do it? You tell me. So building a green hydrogen hub in a very dry place with very little renewable energy is not too smart. Some people even call it stupid. Biden needs a talking point to affix the recently admitted unreliability problem of wind and solar. So common sense and fiscal responsibility are unnecessary. Today, our electric grids, I'm going to tell you, we're close to having some nationwide disasters on our electric grids. They need full-time demand matching electricity, or we have blackouts. There's a dawning realization by the climate religion. There isn't enough lithium in the world. Over the next few decades, got to build tens of millions of dollars of electric vehicles and industrial-scale grid batteries, too. Not enough lithium to do it. In addition, lithium batteries cannot store the abundant solar power California has in the sunny mild winter for use in hot July. The energies will have left those batteries long before July rolls around. Therefore, the expensive talking point of green hydrogen was born, created. Got to have something we can talk about inside of climate change, right? It's like Al Gore. Oh, we've, we're 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 gonna we're gonna go back to. We're gonna burn to death. We're gonna burn to death. Oh my gosh! I am so sorry. My phone is ringing here. <laughs> I apologize. I lost my. My point: We're talking about. Oh, I'm, I was talking about Al Al Gore. They had to come up with something because global warming didn't happen. Remember, they were talking about burning, burning up everything. We weren't going to have enough water. The sun was going to be closer to the Earth than ever before. We were going to have huge floods on all of the oceans. The land against it, and we were all going to die. Well, it didn't pan out, so they, they said, you know, we had, we had the, uh, uh, the Arctic scare. You know, there was going to be a massive cold that was going to encompass the world. That was before global warming. So when they go through a period of a decade or so and nothing they predict happens, you know, the, things we, the world's going to end, the world's going to end, unless we do what? Al Gore did a lot. He did very little for his cause. He did a major amount of stuff that made him a multi-millionaire. So now it's the same thing. Solar energy is not going to work. It's not going to work. Wind energy is not going to work. It'll work, but it's too expensive. You can't and don't have the infrastructure across the nation to make it useful to Americans. And they don't like it. Making green hydrogen is the new deal. It requires, however, 13 times more water. Seawater has to be desalinated first, and additional water for cooling. Then heat the water to 2,000 degrees. And then you electrocute it. That frees oxygen into the air and hydrogen into the factory. Then super chill to a near absolute zero. Then compress it to 10,000 pounds per square inch, which is three times the PSI of an average scuba tank. You're going to put that in your car. (laughs) You're going to be sitting on a, a tank of that stuff that could blow up at any minute. Super cold liquid hydrogen is born. It can be used for fuel cells, burned in electric-producing power plants instead of natural gas. We get far more bang for our buck with natural gas rather than trying to create electricity to make green hydrogen, only to burn it again to make electricity using a process that costs 65% of the energy that you have when you start this process. The whole concept of using wind and solar to produce green hydrogen, it has an elephant in the room type problem. The industrial four-step process of making hydrogen, it's not something that can be started on sunny mornings and stopped in the late afternoon or fired up when the wind starts blowing and then shuts down when the wind stops. What's going to keep the hydrogen process flowing on dark, windless nights? Oh, come on now. Does a green dreamer give a rip about that? Do the facts matter? No, they don't. Heck, it's only federal borrowed money anyway. We don't pay our bills. We just go borrow more money to pay them with somebody else's money. Yeah, somebody else, taxpayers. Hydrogen is just another form of a political greenwashing at the American people's expense we got to stop our wasteful spending of our taxpayer dollars, dollars we don't have on these green boondoggles, before it's too late. Before the communist Chinese, who, by the way, use more than half of the 8 billion tons of coal at their primary fuel source, eat our lunch and rule the world, before they get to that, America's got to wake up to the dangerous threats of the green energy nightmare and the rising threat of the red Chinese dragon before it's too late. You're hearing all of these pundits coming out now and they're all targeting across the Pacific Ocean at our number one enemy on the planet. It's not Russia, it's China. It's China. They have... Surreptitiously through the last 50 years, they have entrenched themselves in just about every important sector of life. They've taken control of it. Do you know there are very few things in a process of manufacturing anything or building anything or creating the stuff to build like cars and air conditioners? and washing machines. Very little of it is done without Chinese equipment. Thereafter, supremacy in energy in the world, they've got a good start on doing it too. Do our people in Washington, D.C., do they have the chutzpah? Do they have the push, the bump, the drive to stop the red dragon? And the only way it's going to work, I promise you, the only way it will work is going back to the processes that worked so diligently for decades. Hydrocarbon. Hydrocarbon. Oil and gas. Novel idea, right? And there they are sitting out there. Oil and gas collections underneath our surface. And in many places, all you got to do is punch a hole. I was part of a nine well deal, nine wells on one piece of property. They were shallow wells, mostly around 3,000 feet. And we hit natural gas. Nobody got rich. But you know what happened? We were able to put a bunch of natural gas into the United States gas pipelines. that was all produced right here. The people that worked for us that made this happen, we paid them. We invested the money. We paid stuff. It's all in capitalism. It's all capitalism. Everybody gets something out of everything that's done. Why, oh why, don't these Democrats understand that? Let me tell you this. They do understand it. They do. They just don't want you to hear anything good about it. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Long live the
1: courageous, May God bless and keep you May you the tenacious, May you do for the ones who push forward for and give back. The and stay Long live the greater good, May you stay the helping hand, those who fall forever and get back up long live the truck with the strength to overcome the will to outwork, work and the commitment to outlast them all ram proven to last
6: i'm a verizon engineer and today we're turning on 5g across the country including right here in new york city With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities.
0: Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk fee fi fo, fo I smell the... Uh, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there?
9: Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami
1: sub from Subway restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, You mind if
9: I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese. It's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway, eat fresh.
1: Get not only the news, but the truth in the news. From TNN, the Truth News Network.
0: Dan Newman. Not all the news today is bad. Not everything's bad. There's some good things, some actual good news came out, some surprising news. There's been a surge in core durable goods orders, and that confirms January economic strength. This just blows my mind. Now, what is this? Well, it's a key measure of business investment. In other words, companies that invest in all kinds of things, they Uh, They buy a lot of materials for the work that they do. They hire a bunch of new employees. That means they start buying more stuff to do the business they're good at doing. And there was a big rise in that that happened in January, adding to the evidence that the economy began the year at a much more robust pace than the Fed told us. Orders for these capital goods, it rose just a little bit under 1%, 0.8% in January. Shipments of stuff jumped 1.1%. Economies were expecting orders to fall slightly after they declined in the previous couple of months. Core capital goods, these are the non-defense capital goods that exclude aircraft. Orders are thought to be a proxy for business investment. Total orders for durable goods fell 4.5% last month, largely because of lower orders of those airplanes. (laughs) Folks, airplanes don't come cheap, but even when you get them, you better plan on spending a buttload full of money every month because they are expensive to maintain and put up in the air, especially with $9 gasoline, which turns out to be about $15 in jet fuel. New orders for aircraft plunged 55% after rising 106% in the month of December. So because aircraft are priced so high, the category tends to be extremely volatile. Well, what else happened for orders? Motor vehicles and parts went up a couple of points. 0.2%, 0.2%, not points, but 0.2%. Shipments of these vehicles were flat. Orders for defense aircraft and parts was up 5.5%. So excluding transportation, orders were up 0.7% and shipments up 0.8%. This is, what does is this, this all mean? That, well, it means that there's some hope out there. Businesses are having to buy stuff. And why do businesses buy stuff? They don't buy stuff because they like to buy stuff. (laughs) They need it in their businesses to create the services and the materials that they use to sell, build, get stuff ready to go to market, and then getting it out there. Oh, yeah, that trickle-down economy stuff that George H.W. Bush got so criticized for, It actually works. When a company spends money, it's not just the company and the stockholders that make money. They go out and hire employees. They can give people raises. They can buy a bunch of stuff to renovate, add new things to their companies. It all is trickle-down. And where does it trickle-down from? From money. Anywhere that, Corporations get money, and they usually do, by selling goods and or services. There's only two ways to make a bottle line, folks. You've got expenses and revenue, period. And if you bring in more revenue than you spend to make that revenue, that's called profit. That's where everybody wants to be. But in the high inflation environment in which we find ourselves right now, it's tough. But these companies, these people that Joe Biden demeans every day, those evil, rich people, those corporations, they don't know anything about the working class. They all do, folks. They got them working for them. I, I just don't understand Democrats when they go to get up. And they do it all the time, and they just blast capitalism, and they call it socialism when it's not. Socialism is the government doing all that stuff, and of course that's why they want to do it. Guess what happened and was what uncovered? Two Democrat campaign committees paid over a quarter of a million dollars to an opposition research firm that improperly received service records from the Air Force. That's according to the federal election committees. I don't even know why they would want that, but they did, and they got it. FEC filings show the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee and the Democrat Senatorial Campaign Committee paid together the Due Diligence Group, which is an opposition research firm, at least $283,000 during the 2022 midterms. That's according to the Washington Examiner. Republican Reps Don Bacon of Nebraska and Zach Nunn of Iowa were among those whose service records were obtained by this opposition research group. So the Air Force begins an investigation all the way back in October after service records of Republican candidates Jennifer Ruth Green, who was an Air Force veteran, were improperly released to the due diligence group, leading to the revelations of a sexual assault that Green suffered while she was in the military. Green lost to Democratic Rep. Frank Morvan of Indiana back in November. Two Republican congressional candidates, Sam Peters and Kevin Deliker, were informed by the Air Force Their records were released, and this story is according to Politico. There's other uh, big news in the wings today, and it comes from Google. Uh Uh-oh. One of the monsters, the Department of Justice says that Google destroyed chat messages that it was required to save during an antitrust investigation of Google. So what does that sound like to you? Sounds to me like Google's hiding stuff, hiding information. So according to a filing, amazingly, Google's daily spallation continued until this week. When the U.S. indicated that it would file this motion following months of conferral, Google finally committed to permanently set to history on and thus preserve its employees' chat messages. The federal rules of civil procedure required Google to suspend its auto-delete practices back in mid-2019 MIDI when the company reasonably anticipated the litigation that was coming. Google did not, the DOJ said. Instead, as described, Google abdicated its burden to individual custodians to preserve potentially relevant chats. Few, if any, document custodians did so. That is, few custodians, if any, manually changed on a chat-by-chat basis the history default from off to own. As a result, Google systematically destroyed potentially relevant written communications every 24 hours, and the DOJ affirmed that in their filing. Additionally, investigators also claimed Google falsely told our government it had put a legal hold in place that suspends auto-deletion. I didn't even know that was going on. DOJ said that at every turn, Google reaffirmed it was preserving and searching all potentially relevant written communications. Amazingly, Google's daily speculation continued until this week, the DOJ added. When the U.S. indicated it would file this motion, following months of conferral, Google finally committed to permanently set to history and thus preserve its employees' chat messages. So what is this all about? It's more of that big tech lockdown on the American people. It's happening every day. We're finding out every day that many of it, many of it had been happening way before it came to light. This was going on. And what does Google have more so than any other big tech company? And that's a lot more money. They're way down the road in technology, folks. You know what artificial intelligence is? If you don't, you better find out because you're going to be dealing with them more and more every day for the rest of your life. Artificial intelligence is just what it is. Artificial intelligence. So how does that work? They find these robots and they build in the ability to put inside billions of computer bytes that contain operations, how to do things, what to do, what not to do, and even to be able to discern between a lot of things that they've never even been able to think about. Now I know, that sounds pretty uh, far-fetched, but it's real. It's not George Orwell stuff. In Epic Games antitrust litigation against Google. Google submitted exhibits that appeared to show that Google employees suggesting chats were a safer place to have sensitive conversations. For example, one exhibit is the case showing an employee saying, since it's a sensitive topic, I refer to discuss it over offline or over Hangout. I don't know what overhangout means. That's in reference to Google's chat product that is in question. Let me ask you a question. How much of your federally guaranteed, constitutionally guaranteed rights, how much of those are you willing to accept losing? Now look around you when you're walking Today, tonight, tomorrow. Just look around and notice the trees, the shape they're in, how big they are, what kind of trees they are. It would be good to know every one of these are good things, but collectively, not so much. New York Times has weighed in on one of Biden's claims. New York Times doing this? (laughs) I mean, uh, I, I would have never thought that he would do anything like that. But you know what? He's Joe Biden. He can pretty much do what he wants to do, right? He is the President of the United States. Well, let me tell you what he did. The New York Times, they acknowledged in a report that the Biden administration's claims that former President Trump was responsible for the train derailment in East Palestine. Palestine, Ohio, I came during a rolling blackout and those trains turning over safely rule was inaccurate. Something in the equipment caused it. That is factual. The White House has pushed back on such criticism from Republicans, accusing both the Trump administration and Republican lawmakers of dismantling the Obama or rail safety measures meant to prevent episodes like the early East Palestine derailment. That's according to the New York Times. According to the website PolitiFact, a rail safety rule appears as part of a broad regulatory rollback under the Trump administration, and it would have no impact on the East Palestine's derailment, it said. On Friday, National Transportation Safety, Safety Board Chair Jennifer Homendy also admitted the Trump administration's repeal would not have prevented the derailment. Well, let me ask you this. Do you know anything about where that happened? It happened in Shreveport. I don't know where it happened, but I don't know places where I pull up ever and seen these guys in suits or whatever they had on and they had on every kind of thing over the top of it they could. Even had one of those big bottle balloons over their heads. PolitiFact reported on the 15th that Democrats' claims that Trump repealed a safety rule was mostly true, but noted it had no effect on the trail derailment. Here's what they said. During former President Obama's administration, the Department of Transportation they enacted a rule a rule that requires high-hazard cargo trains to be equipped with electronically controlled pneumatic brakes. And that's all got to happen by 2023. Yeah, right. <laughs> It'll allow them to brake faster. Trump administration repealed this rule, citing government reports that found the cost of requiring these kinds of brakes was not economically justified. Even if this safety rule had still been in effect, it wouldn't have applied to the Norfolk Southern train that derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. Why? Because it was not categorized as a high-hazard cargo, cargo train. Obviously, this whole thing was debunked. And despite that, Trump administration was at fault for the Ohio derailment more than a week ago. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg perpetrated that lie with his visit to Ohio the day after Trump. Buttigieg, one thing Trump can do is express the support and his support for reversing the deregulation that happened on his watch. I heard him say, Nothing to do with it. Do you believe that? I'm on the fence post. So back to our story. So if he had nothing to do with it, might think about buying it. PolitiFact reported that during the Obama administration, a new safety rule was adapted. In 2015, it requires electronically controlled pneumonia brakes to be installed on every high-hazard flammable unit trains. Got to do all that by next month. <laughs> Ain't going to happen, folks. Ain't going to happen. Allowing them to brake Faster. They say, "Oh my gosh, people will do and say anything to get the attention. That's what they're after—getting them attention. You can't put breakfast on your kids' table if you don't have a job. If you don't have things in great situation, I mean, if it's daycare, you got that taken care of, and you just protect these babies." You don't have to worry about this kind of stuff happening, but it does happen around the world. Trump administration repealed that rule, thank God. The reason they gave is government reports that found the cost of requiring these kinds of brakes on these trains was not economically sound. Now, this is a guy, he's not a political officer. He wasn't elected to the job. He was the former White House chief correspondent and she was a really good partner and friend and she's leaving us. I'm going to find that hard to believe. We know this place is a good place to work and it's it's actually a compliment for all of us for her to get snatched up like that. She got a big gig. I won't tell you about it. I'll let her do it later on. But our our hearts and our Thoughts go out to her. I was talking to you about the blame game that's being played in Washington, D.C., about that rail breaking apart. Have you seen how those sections of track? It just looked like somebody reached down and picked up one end with a... uh, a pair of pliers, and somebody picked up on the other and did it and just started throwing it around, bending it, messing it up. That's that's just something that didn't happen, but they're saying that happened. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, he perpetuated that lie while he went to Ohio a day after Trump, Buttigieg. One thing Trump can do is expressed support for reversing the deregulation that happened on his watch. I heard him say he had nothing to do with it. So if he had nothing to do with it, the obvious is why do anything about it? Politifact, they reported that during the bomb administration, a new safety rule was adopted in 2015 that required electronically controlled pneumatic brakes to be installed on all high-hazard flammable unit trains and had to do it by 2023, allowing them to break faster. Faster. (laughs) Uh, it, it, It just gets more and more dirty. More and more dirty. Unanswers. Pontification. Playing politics. And here we sit out here. We're the ones writing checks and sending them to the IRS. We're the ones that are paying way, way over the price of gas where it was when Joe Biden was elected. Why is that happening? I mean, we're still the same two people, Steve and I, Sam and I, my brother. We're still the same two people. We have the same history. We know each other like the back of our hands. Why don't we have a great relationship? It's something that we all think about and do. And I said that as a bridge to segue to this. The New York Times has finally admitted that President Biden, migrant children that entered the country under President Biden, they work brutal jobs. Now, what are we talking about here? Christian works a construction job instead of going to school. His age is 14. Carolina packages Cheerios at night in a factory. She's 15. Wonder starts looking for day labor jobs before sunrise. He's 13. And these are newspaper captions of photographs showing young teenagers admitted through the unaccompanied alien child, border loophole. The children usually work for staffing companies at low wages, subsidiaries of Fortune 500 companies, companies like PepsiCo, General Mills, Walmart, Target, Ben & Jerry's. The article is headlined, quote, Alone and Exploited Migrant Children Work Brutal Jobs Across the U.S., The article may crack the bipartisan establishment's shameful silence about its well-shifting police policy, excuse me, of extracting teenagers and millions of foreign migrants, putting them to the sideline while U.S. workers are allowed to do the work. It's just not fair. If you're not going to let them work, don't bring them in. If you're not going to give them decent jobs, don't offer them a job at all. There are plenty of people that are looking for qualified representatives. And it doesn't matter if these people have good speaking languages. None of that matters. It's if they're honest, they learn the system of wherever they work, and they work it to the T. Make your place where you go all the time. Make it be the best that anything can ever be in the type of uh, get-together pad you're talking about. By the way, you remember Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan, congressman from Wisconsin. He was picked to run for vice president. Who, Who did he run with? Who was his running mate? Anybody know? Raise your hand. Anyway, listen to this. Paul Ryan, by the way, he left. He left Congress. He didn't run again. He was Speaker of the House. He got the gig when Trump was elected, but he decided at the midterms to hang it up and go to work for Fox News. Over the weekend, he said, if Donald Trump is a pick, of the Republicans in 2024 Ryan refuses to even go to the inauguration and he wouldn't have anything to do with it and even worse than that he's not going to go to the 2024 DNC convention held in Milwaukee. Where will you be the host asked? It depends on who the nominee is. I'll be here if it's not named somebody Trump. You won't show up if it's someone else, the host said. Yeah, I'm not interested in participating, no, Ryan replied. Even here in Wisconsin, Ryan said, even Wisconsin. So if you'll remember, let's repaint some history for you. Paul Ryan from Wisconsin says... He's not going to show up at the twenty twenty four Republican convention in Milwaukee if Donald Trump is the nominee. Much more of our conversation Sunday on up front. This is in a tweet, a mass tweet that was sent out. Was sent out by Matt Smith. What you got going on this week? Is this going to be an easy week? You got something new going on? It's good to get fresh stuff for every day days if possible. But don't walk away from the gig, whatever it is, until you get it finished. You make the commitment to do it. Just make sure you, you do it. Now, Joe Biden's kind of on the hook, isn't he, because of what I just said. He's warming up to 2024. Democrats may be looking at a second presidential bid for Mr. Trump more favorably now. Why is that? A recent NPR-PBS NewsHour Marist poll found some good news. According to the poll, 50% of Dems and Dem-leading independents now think they will have the best chance of winning the presidency in twenty-four with Biden driving the boat. However, a significant portion, 45%, still believe Democrats are better suited with someone else. Conversely, 42% of Republicans and Republican-leading independents believe the GOP has the best chance of winning in 2024, with Trump leading the charge. While 54% think they'll have the best chance if they choose somebody else. Notably, that figure, 64%, remains unchanged from November's data. However, the 42nd 2% who believe Trump serves at the best as Republicans to defeat Democrats in 2024 from the 35% in November, it's going to take that. To win the 2024s. Most Democrats and Democrat leaning independents, 83% have a good view of Joe Biden, comparable to the favorable rating he got last November. Trump's rating, favorable rating among Republicans and Republican-leaning independents, is down from 79% last November and is his lowest favorable rating among this group since September of 2016. That's when he announced he was going to run. One in four Republicans and Republican-leaning independents, that's 25%, have an unfavorable view of Donald Trump. Now, how do you handle Donald Trump? You You got any suggestions? I've thought it through. He did a ton. I'm not talking about a good amount. I'm talking about a Ton of work in those four years. I didn't think, no, very few people. Maybe Melania was the only person that thought he could do it, but he did it. He did it with a lot of rubbing going on around him, much of it <laughs> because of his mouth. But he did a really good job. Now, think about it. He comes up for reelection, Joe does. Who's going to face him? Who's going to run against him? Is there another Democrat that dare step up against Joe Biden? And when I ask that question, I'm asking it sincerely. I do not have an answer. Oh, I've got some hypotheses. But that doesn't mean they're true. All that means is what the shoe will do or whatever it is that you're looking for. What will they do for you to make things better for you? And if they're going to do it, and it makes good sense for you and you're not going to be up to your eyeballs in debt over it, why not do it? That's an entrepreneurial thing. A lot of people today can't do that. They can't handle it in their schools. They can't publish it. Our schools here, they have a laundry list of do's and bones for for. Kids. I mean, it's long. Let me just give you a rundown. Now, nah, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. I want you to hear this. You know who Lauren Berberty is? She's that firebrand, new member of the House of Representatives out in Colorado. Let me say this, folks. She is a firebrand. Oh my gosh. She goes nuts on people anybody that disagrees with her and it's because she thinks what she thinks is the way everybody should think because that's the truth there's a i guess a countywide political gathering that's going on in yuma arizona i think they're trying to just clean things up that that's, that's just my personal opinion the quote unquote big city I know you're happy because you don't live outside of it. But it's still there. And this whole thing with these these young kids, it was important, even if it was nothing more than, I want to show you, I I can do it. So we're going to be out here. Are you going to be in the water? (laughs) We're going to baptize people today. Lauren Berbert is... Probably the most talkative member in the House of Representatives. And she went off on Twitter. She had, in a hearing, she had Twitter execs or former execs sitting there. And she went after him. I don't even need to tell you about it. Let me just let you listen to it. Here's Lauren Boebert.
6: And there seems to be a revolving door between the FBI and Twitter itself. Um, even Mr. Baker said that there was no collusion with the federal government and Twitter. But Mr. Baker, that's you. You are the collusion between the federal government and the FBI. And now with it, this is such a problem because we're seeing censorship all over. Mr. Roth, Ms. Gaddy, did either of you approve the shadow banning of my account at Lauren Boebert? Yes or no?
5: No, I did not.
4: Not to the best of my recollection.
6: Well, let me refresh your memory because on March 12th, 2021, and Mr. Roth, I know you looked at it because fascist Twitter 1.0 had a public interest exceptions policy, which means for members of Congress to be shadow banned, it had to go before you, Mr. Roth. So I'll ask again, did you shadow ban my account? Yes or no?
5: Again, not to the best of my recollection.
6: So the answer is, Mr. Roth, yes, you did. I found out last night from Twitter staff that you suppressed my account for this tweet. It's a freaking joke about Hillary Clinton being angry that she couldn't rig her election. It's a joke, but in response, being the sinister overlords that you all are, you placed a 90-day account filter so I could not be found. And now we see here that Twitter staff said the visibility filter on my account excluded me from top searches, prevented notifications for non-followers, and much more. This is considered an aggressive visibility filter. You silenced members of Congress from communicating with their constituents. You You silenced me from communicating with the American people over a freaking joke. Now, who the hell do you think that you are? Election interference? Yeah, I would say that that was taking place because of you four sitting here. The Hunter Biden laptop story was suppressed. A sitting member of Congress was suppressed. A a sitting president was banned from Twitter. You know, I bet that Putin is sitting in the Kremlin wishing he had as much election intervention interference as you four here today. We've heard about threats to democracy. Well, what about shutting down a duly elected member of Congress? This is fundamental to our nation's governance, and you all attacked that very foundation. 230 protections, well, those are for publishers not for editors. And it's clear you are not acting as publishers, you are acting as editors. And Mr. Chairman, I think it's far past time that we remove 230 protections for for big tech platforms who are abusing this protection. And let me just say, I'm not angry for myself. I'm not angry because I was silenced. I can reach out to Elon and to his staff, and I can see what's happened. And I can sit here today and hold you all in account I am angry for the millions of Americans who were silenced because of your decisions, because of your actions, because of your collusion with the federal government. They can't reach out to Elon. They can't sit here today and hold you into account. We don't know where the FBI ends and Twitter
0: begins. She was right on. I mean, think about what she said. Think about what was going on. Think about who was sitting in front of her. These execs. I mean, big-time, James Baker was sitting there at the table with him. Who was he? He was former general counsel for the FBI. He leaves the FBI, and guess where he goes? He goes to Twitter. And what's his job there? It's to take care of people like Lauren Boebert, rogue members of the U.S. Congress. And we got to stop these people. They're out there saying all kinds of things that aren't true about the government. They can't say that and get away with that. That's not the way the government works. We're supposed to be able to determine what we can say and what we can't say and who can do this and who can't do that. Accountability is coming down the pike, whether it is in the Biden administration, whether it's Joe Biden that puts it in place or whether it is this very aggressive group of House of Representatives, newly elected, got the majority in the House, so they can kind of get some normal things done that had not been being done for at least four years. When you don't have control, if you don't have a majority in either House, the House of Representatives of the U.S. Senate, And, of course, you got this guy at the time sitting over in the White House. If you own all three or you have the majority in all three places, you can get a lot of stuff done that you want done. But if you're in the minority, the way the government works today, the way this government works today with party leadership working like they do, you're toast. You're not going to get anything done. They don't care about the opinions of the people that had elected you. I mean, you're all a bunch of red state rubes. You don't know anything about governing. You don't know anything about being a good citizen. So what you got to do, because we're in the majority now, the Democrats are, you just got to sit down and shut up. We're not going to give you a chance to even say anything. And boy, they're, Proving that to be true, aren't they? Some news just popped out that's kind of blockbuster news. Kathy Chung, you remember that name? She's President Biden's former primary gatekeeper. She has agreed to partially comply. Not comply, but partially comply with the House Oversight Committee's probe into the classified document scandal and... I like this one. The Biden family's international business schemes. Chung's lawyer, a guy named Bill Taylor, he told CNN she's going to hand over some of the requested documents they looked for and sit for an interview with the committee which is investigating the Biden family for nine violations. They include money laundering and wire fraud. It's also probing Biden's classified document scandal that would likely not have been revealed to the public if it was not leaked to CBS News back in January. Chung is a big-time, long-time confidant of the Biden family. In May of 2012, Hunter proposed Chung as a candidate for a job in the VP's office, VP Biden. Hunter described her potential responsibilities as placing the primary gatekeeper for the VP and conduit everyone goes through to get to Vice President Biden. He also described the job as the person who handles all the personal stuff for Joe Biden. Boy, that lit up the Oversight Committee when they saw that line. On February 4th, Representative James Comer who was chair of that committee, the House Oversight Committee, he asked Chung for documents and communications dating all the way back to '09, which encompasses, encompasses the Biden family business era to the then-Vice President Biden's departure from office in 2017. That includes communications regarding Penn Biden Center. So they're going for the juggler here. You served on the vice president's staff from 2012 until he left office, Comer wrote to Chung. The committee believes your proximity to VP Biden and role as a handler of his personal matters gave you access not only to classified material he maintained after leaving the White House, but also to the Biden family's business schemes. Chung's lawyer told CNN she will not provide the committee with all of Comer's request. That's mirroring Hunter's refusal to comply with the committee at all. Back in 2016, Joe admitted that his son Hunter had access to his Delaware garage where stashed classified documents were unearthed by the president's attorney. She is not agreeing to produce everything in the letter, but would provide documents related to the movement of documents from the White House to the Penn-Biden Center. She's happy to sit for an interview with the committee, too. Republicans, their probes have been stonewalled by the Treasury Department, former FBI point man Timothy Bolt who allegedly improperly shut down a probe into Hunter's laptop that is likely unrelated to the ongoing criminal probe concerning reported tax fraud by Hunter Biden. But it appears the committee's investigations caught its first break on Wednesday of last week. Hunter's top financial lieutenant, Eric Schwerin, is expected to soon provide documents to the committee's investigation. Sharon, who shared bank accounts with President Joe Biden and dubbed his family's money man, also man- maintained guest lists for White House functions and negotiated the settlement with Hunter's first wife, Kathleen. Sheron was also the president of Rosemont Cinema Partners, which is an investment fund created by Hunter, and several associates that spawned business deals in Russia, Ukraine, China, and Romania. Many of those deals yielded the Biden family millions over decades while Joe was an elected official. Back in 2018, all the way up to 2020, a senior contributor at Breitbart News published Secret Empires and Profiles in corruption. Have you heard about that book? It hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. It exposed how Hunter and Joe flew aboard Air Force Two in 2013 to China. And that was before Hunter's firm inked a $1.5 billion deal. Now, it wasn't with the Communist China, but it was a subsidiary of the Chinese government's Bank of China less than two weeks after the trip. Schweitzer's work also uncovered the Biden family's other vast and lucrative foreign dreams. They got some deals and had some deals in cronyism that are unthinkable. They're all kind of news and almost daily new information coming out. You know who Miranda Devine is. She's at the New York Post. She's a Brit immigrant over here. She's really, really good. A super investigative reporter. She's the one that broke all of this Hunter Biden stuff. And she's paid a big price for it. There are a lot of people out there that are really upset that anybody would take a shot at any president's son no matter what the violations might be. But that's what's going on right now. Did you have a good weekend? You know, this time of year, you know, we're 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 in the winter, we've got a bunch of bad weather going around. When you're in a situation like this, you're looking for something to do, something to think about. I like what the GOB did, and, I, and I, I mentioned this a few minutes ago, and I went on to another story, but I'm going to go back to this. They are doing something at the southern border that I really, really like. They're going down there in person holding meetings that are televised, but they're letting people come in. It's a Q&A thing. The residents that are really paying the biggest prices along the southern border. I want you to listen to one such hearing. This one happened as I told you before. It happened in Yuma, Arizona last week. And they just got a lot of stuff discussed. Gentlemen, gentlemen from uh, South Carolina is recognized. Mr. Fry.
3: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, it's good to be here. I appreciate you, Chairman, holding this this hearing right here. At the center of our border crisis, to the good people of Yuma, thank you for having us. Thank you for showing us. Uh, I'm a freshman, so this has uh, been incredibly eye-opening for me. You know, Mr. Chairman, I, I remember our first, my first committee hearing this year, first one ever, when the ranking member said that we were imagining a border crisis. My first question to the good people of Yuma: Are you imagining a border crisis? Is the border secure here in Yuma? Has the border gotten worse under President Biden? And final question, do you think this administration has faithfully executed their obligation to secure that border? No. Hell no. <laughs> we got a hell no. Thank you to the panel from the short time we've been here in Yuma. Um, one thing is very crystal clear to me, and is that President Biden's open door, open border policy is an abject failure uh, to the people of this country. We have seen firsthand the prioritization by this administration of illegal immigrants over the people of America. Um, illegal immigration, obviously, you know this here in Yuma more than anyone else. It deprives your community of safety in your homes and in your community, of health care. Of, it costs the taxpayers billions of dollars. It destroys property farmers, where are you at, and it destroys families through fentanyl poisoning. Congressional Democrats should be here, Mr. Chairman. It's actually a shame uh, that we were imagining a border crisis, but everything that we've seen thus far proves exactly that we are not, that that you see it. And of course, in my home state of South Carolina, as has been talked about, we are a border state. Myrtle Beach is not just famous for its beaches and Chinese spy balloons. It's also... It also has record fentanyl overdoses that happen year after year. The first question uh, to the sheriff, what federal policies were in place under the prior administration that really helped, in your opinion, secure that border?
9: You know, and I thank you for that question because I also told the secretary of Majorcus the same thing. The uh, operation Streamline was, and that was 100% prosecution for anybody that entered this country between a port of entry and denied them the access.
3: Do you, do you th- would you say that the Biden administration has been, enab- or has been able to control the cartels in two years? No, sir. What policies do you think promote or enable the cartels to, to act more freely uh, across the border or, in, or even in our country?
9: Well, when they removed the migrant protection protocols that were put into place, plus operation Streamline, and they got away from any kind of prosecution at all, that just enabled the cartels to do what they're doing today, and they continue to escalate in their capabilities.
3: Mr. Lyons, you tweeted back in January that the border was 100% not secure, uh, that it was wide open. Uh, do you believe that's still to be the case? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, in both you and, your, and the sheriff's experience, um, what are you seeing from real-world impacts that you're hearing from people out here in the community that are happening from a crime perspective or a cartel perspective in their homes or neighborhoods?
7: Uh, we've had some home invasions. Uh, those were few and far between just because Border Patrol has been able to interdict. Uh, yesterday morning, one of the farmers you heard from this morning testified that his daughter uh, was returning home from feeding her 4-H project and was almost hit by a van full of people being smuggled across the border. Uh, So we continue to see those types of instances. Uh, He's had two of those experiences in the last six months. Um, One of the things that I and I apologize, but uh, I should have addressed when Mr. Klein asked, but it's been a negative impact in our community, is the ability of 911 services to respond adequately. Uh, And that's been a severe challenge. I met with the first responders from every group in uh, Yuma, and they shared with me their concern or the ability to be able to respond when they continued to receive a high volume of 911 calls from the border. Now, not all of those people were actually looking for medical assistance. They were simply tired of waiting to be processed because they had somewhere to go and someplace to be. So that has affected the people of this community. And I was absolutely blown away to hear them tell me that. Uh, they do not care about the value of life, and that is something directly related to cartels. Sheriff, what, what,
3: what instances have you heard from the residents here in Yuma of, of crime or cartel activity? T- talk about that. Have you heard these uh, similar instances
9: Absolutely, sir, and you you can refer to my document that I submitted as well. Uh, My jail already this last year had over 55 individuals booked into custody that had uh, entered this country illegally and committed uh, sexploitation of minors, the trespassing, the uh, smuggling of uh, narcotics, not only for use but for sale and trade. That's the majority of what I have in, in my jail right now for those kind of offenses.
7: Mr. Fry, over at uh, Amberley's place, our youngest victim coming in for a sexual assault was 10 years old. The challenge is that we don't know in which country it occurred and by whom. So we're able to collect the data, but because of jurisdictional challenges, there's no one to prosecute. So a 10-year-old was violated by someone under cartel control or by the cartel itself. And just here uh, at Morales Dam, Uh, Congressman Biggs and I have had the opportunity to walk around and pick up plan B and that was an area commonly referred to as the rape tree so many people coming across were victims of the cartel where they exacted that last price and denied them their dignity
0: It's good when we see the kind of government that the people put together with the U.S. Constitution It's a three-tiered Type government that has worked very, very well for 260 years, local, state, and federal, and each has delineated responsibilities and authorities from the U.S. Constitution. Joe Biden, our president, has just completely destroyed the southern border of four states Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. And in doing so, Joe Biden and his, I guess everybody from top to bottom in his administration have been complicit, had been complicit on Joe Biden totally ignoring federal immigration laws when in his oath of office, he swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution and make sure the laws in the Constitution are taken care of responsibly. He hadn't done any of that. In fact, he's suborning illegality by inviting illegal immigrants to come into the United States. The number one thing I wanted you to hear is it's working when government gets together with people and lets the people talk to them about the things that are going on, how it's impacting these people. This was in Yuma or Arizona. It's not a a huge town, but people all across the southern border of Arizona and California, New Mexico and Texas are getting it. And don't forget, this illegal immigration is not specifically just for those southern states. It's now impacting all of our 50 states. Why is that? The Biden administration is pushing these illegals that he allows to come in, pushing them off on different not-for-profits in these 50 states. Now, let me tell you how this debacle is working. You hear them talk about these great NGOs, these non-government official offices, organizations, NGOs, non-government organization. We're told those are not-for-profits. These people have great intentions like Catholic charities and others. Well, they do, but they're not doing what they're doing just out of the goodness of their hearts. What I tell you all the time, when you sense something's wrong, follow the money, follow the money. So how does this happen? Well, Joe Biden stuck in one of his big spending bills, a bunch of money, a whole bunch of money that was going to go to protect our situation down at the southern border. Well, it has. And let me tell you how it has happened. This money is going in large part to these non-government organizations. Now think about it. It's a circle thing. You and I, taxpayers, We provide the tax money for these states, various states and local entities, to do things financially that often are not the things that are wanted by the people in their districts. Now think about other places, like me. We're talking about, I don't live in Texas. I was born there, but I live in Louisiana. It's not a border state. But you've got Texas, you've got New Mexico, you've got Arizona, and you've got California. Why don't they just enforce the law? Why don't they do it? We'll never be a country. You can't be a country if you don't have borders. And theoretically, we are still a country, but pragmatically, we're not. Why? Because we don't have any borders, or at least they're not enforcing any borders. It's all about who? It's about the federal government. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the people of the United States of America who they also said they would protect. We're under siege at the southern border. 100,000 people dying every year from fentanyl poisoning principally comes from these southern border states or through these southern border states. Anything happening on that regard about this drug stuff, and mixed in with it, sex trafficking, human trafficking, untold amounts of criminal acts committed against Americans. In Texas alone, 600,000 events in a two-year period that include even first-degree murder. And the Biden administration, oh, they got it going on. Hey, hey, You want to sit down and have a cup of coffee? Let's just blow that off and go play basketball. (laughs) Could you see Joe Biden in a basketball game? Maybe golf. I don't even think he could play golf. But just doing other stuff other than the people's business. And here we are and we're just falling apart. These NGOs are making fortunes. The government... We send the government the money that those tax bills include. The government doesn't have any money. They don't, they don't, they don't get, they don't have any income that comes in. The money that comes into the IRS that goes to the various departments in the government, you and I are paying those. That's all us. Now they may argue and say well our fi- our people are citizens too they're paying taxes too I get it and every american gets it but what we know is you guys in DC you are taking chances that you shouldn't be taking and we don't like it down here in swampland I love going all natural
2: It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef
1: introducing the all natural burger the first ever in fast food with no antibiotics no added hormones and no steroids only at carl's jr
5: ladies we ask your forgiveness please forgive our immaturity our outbursts of tacky compliments forgive our browser history forgive our hormones taking control of us forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal forgive us for opening our beers like primates forgive for taking a no as a yes for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist and please forgive us or never washing our hands ever schneider the beer with the exact maturity for the man who's in the process
1: new home ownership can be a real eye opener but it's the perfect time to look into homeowner 101 from the home depot free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com/workshops You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops.
0: That's kind of a mellow song in the show. Well, we're gonna, we got another mellow song we're gonna end the show. Listen, once again, want to apologize for the late start of TNN Live today. It was because we got held up in the Netherlands outside of Jerusalem in Israel, where we're over here. We're having a great time, we're learning so much, and it's really good to go places. If you get a chance to ever go a place like this, where there's so much history, and especially if you're a Christian. Whoa there, whoa there, whoa there. Especially if you're a Christian coming to Israel. Because everything about the history of Christianity is right here. We in the United States, we often take it for granted. You know, I, pray, I prayed and asked for forgiveness for doing just that. You guys have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow right here. If you missed the show, go grab it at your favorite podcast night. Have a great one.
5: If a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? The words will never show the you I've come to know. If a face... left me too And where Side you all the way. If the world should stop with all things spinning slowly down to die, I'd spread.